Okay, ladies, we're going to learn some Torah. Let's go. We're starting a new book. Chomish Beratius. Parshish Beratius. Not only that, but this week is... But this week is... Shabbos Beratius. It's actually called Shabbos Beratius. It's the only parsha that actually gives a name to the whole Shabbos. It's the Shabbos Beratius. It's not just, you know... You know, we don't call Shabbos Noah, or we don't call Shabbos Lechacha, like we talk about. It has its own name, it has its own, its own message for us. So let's get started um, on our Parsha. So first of all, I, I want to give my two favorite uh, go-to books for people. I know people don't read anymore, but I say it every time in hopes that somebody will listen to me. Okay, the two, my two favorite go-to Parshas, uh, uh, handbooks, I guess, are the Medrash says which we have a set over there. Okay? Easy to read. All the Medrashim, that's how the kids learn it in school. Like, all those stories that the kids come back and they're like, and then, 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 it's all in the Medrash. Okay? It's, most of the stuff is not after that colorful set. Second from the top, well, second from the top, not counting that top that doesn't have a cover, so maybe it's third from the top. Pink, blue, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Medrash says, all-time favorite. Don't be a wimp and read the children's medrashets. You could read a few more words. Um, so that's, that's my first really super fun, uh, easy to read Parsha situation. That's one thing. The other book that I really love is called Torah Studies. It's by Rabbi Jonathan Sachs. That was, oh! That's before he was Lord Dr. Jonathan Sachs. Um, so. No, but we don't have the Sachs. We do. We, it's a single volume. It might be another room. It's a single volume, and basically what he does is for every single Torah portion, he he takes a sicha from the Rebbe, and it's written as a sicha. It's written as you need to think about it, and you need to learn it, but it's written in English. So it has the same way the Rebbe develops a sicha of a question and a possible answer and another answer. So he has, he, he's picked, like, very, I don't want to say popular sichas, but, like, things that the Rebbe spoke about a lot. Fantastic, fantastic book. It's not... It's an easy read, but not a light read. Meaning it's... Is it so... No, it's not a... Medra says it's an easy read. You know, you just read yeah. through. You could like... It's like in what, your bedtime, night, you know, it's your nighttime stories. The, the Torah studies is learning, but it's not hard, but it does engage your brain. And I think that it's so silly for me to give you information that you could easily access. Now, please, 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 I'm begging you, access it. Don't say, oh, we were gonna, we didn't. It's, it's, it's because... I don't want to waste our time together with things that are so easy for you to get to. That's my first by way of introduction. Because now we're starting a whole new book, a whole new everything. We're starting right from the beginning. So we have to start all the instructions from the beginning. Okay. Uh, Chumash Beratius is also called Sefer Hayashar, the book of those who walk upright with God. Um, and it talks about, you know, here's, spoiler, Chumash the whole Chumash is going to talk about our matriarchs and our patriarchs and the beginning of the world, creation and all the foundational stuff. Um, we don't get to the Jewish people till they're not actually the Jewish people in this book at all. They're just the family of Jacob. Like seven parshas in, like the last couple of parshas, we're going to talk about that. Um, and we're going to look into the Rashi. I know a lot of you did the Rashi, but I want to, I think it's very important, especially with everything that's going on, to look at the Rashi one more time for a second. But, uh, there's a lot of foundational stuff that's going on in Chumash Beratius, um, and, and that's really why we're doing it. When we talk about Beratius, we talk about in the beginning, 
one of the things that we are blessed as human beings and as Jews is that every single day we have a new beginning. We have a new gracious every single day. We're, we're our, the fact that we woke up and we started our day and we opened our eyes and God trusts us that we are going to do today better than we did yesterday or whatever, however we're going to do it. Um, that means that every single day is really a new beginning. And when we're opening Chomish Barashas, we cosmically are starting a new beginning and we are, we're, you know, it, it's, it's all new. It's all fresh. It's all new. And it really should have an influence on us every single day and every single time as we go through our lives to say, okay, that happened yesterday. Maybe I wasn't operating at my, my highest self, but gracious, it's a new beginning. It's a new start. And I'm going to, I'm going to do today better. Malky, question. The, yeah, no, the question. Yesterday, the Yom Yom was talking, like, was specifically about how Al-Turabi retreated. Every single second, Hashem recreates. Like, it's, right. which is not only for us. So if we're at the moment right now, it's Hashem shows us to Nahan, To us. be here. Exactly. And, so, yeah, so I think it's very small. Okay, so the the other thing is and I, I it's like kind of very exciting and very nerve nerve wracking for me which I did mention to you I've never actually taught Parsha for Parsha's gracious so in case you think we have on a regular Parsha we have a problem getting through the Parsha I'm telling you now we're not getting through the Parsha okay here are the cliff notes of the Parsha the first the first Aliyah talks about creation of the world creation of Adam and Chava the second Aliyah talks about what did we say yesterday no, 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 no. Huh? Second. No, that was, I think, the third. The second? The second. Second Aliyah was. Yeah, wait, I'll hear that. Yeah, 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 yeah. This is the, the, the thing. The sin. That was second. And not to eat from the tree of life. And the third thing is the rivers. The third was the rivers and the. the yeah, the rivers, how they spread out. Yeah, no. The. Oh, that, that was um, third? And, and she had sons within like a couple hours. Right. That she has, the, and they get cursed of the third. The third is the sin. Third. Third is a, is a thing. So what was second? I lost second. I think it's my creation stuff. Uh, no, the rivers are the second. The rivers are the second. Rivers are the second day. The four rivers are the second day. The third <coughs> is the sin. Fourth is um, then actually getting kicked out of the Garden of Eden. And the, we got stuck last time yesterday on which direction was the flaming sword flaming in. That was, that was yesterday. Um, and then we have uh, that they have in this yesterday, sorry, in Wednesdays, Ali, we have the birth of Cain and Hevel, Cain and Abel. Um, and Rashi tells us right away that it's not in order. It happened before, but it's placed here. It's placed here out of order, and we have the conversation between Cain and Abel growing up and what they did as jobs. One was a. Anybody remember the of Arja? Cain. Cain was a farmer, and Hevel Abel was a shepherd, um, and they each bring. Sa- Actually, Cain brings a sacrifice, and Abel also brings a sacrifice, and then Hashem takes whose sacrifice. Means. No, Abel's. He takes Abel's. He takes Hevel's. He takes Hevel's sacrifice. Hevel brings the best of his stuff, and Cain brings Minhabal, the other one he was able to find. So he had the first idea, but his was accepted. 
that wasn't so cool. So in the in the fourth aliyah, we have the first murder in history. Um, we'll get back to that in a second. Uh, that was the fourth aliyah. It, yes, it escalated quickly, and then we have um, the end of the fourth aliyah was Cain getting punished. The Hashem says he has to be a wanderer, and um, and he says it's my sin is too great for me to bear. And Hashem says, and he's and he's sort of made Hefker. Hashem makes some sort of like anybody you you could you know you have no godly protection anymore. You've lost your image of God, and he's like, how am I going to survive? And, if anybody ever heard the expression, the mark of Cain, this is where it comes from, where Hashem puts a mark on Cain, on Cain so that he should not be killed by the animals. And the, and, uh, but Hashem says, but he will be killed seven generations later, which is going to happen. Hamishi, today's Aliyah, we have a grandchild of Cain, Lemach, who has two wives, and we have the beginning of his children and what they did. One created uh, war... Um, um, it's not war appliances, oh my gosh. One created weapons and one created musical instruments. Um, and uh, one, they started building. One, one was the first, I would say, maybe like Bedouin type uh, shepherding of, of moving your, your, your animals from area to area as the, as the need desired, you know, as, as it needed to be. And the sixth aliyah, we start to have the conversation of the genealogy of humanity. This one begat, which is, by the way, a word that nobody ever uses in conversation. We never say they begat somebody. I, I think it's one of the good, it's one of the words that's okay, like that it sort of fell out of use. <laughs> um, and we have, if you take a look at chapter five, you see people are living crazy, crazy, crazy long lives. They are living uh, 930 years and they're living. And the Torah is giving us very, 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 I would say, astronomical numbers for people to live. And what we see that as the numbers, as the generations go on, they're starting to somehow have children at a little bit later, or like, like they're earlier, like the, the birth rate is sort of starting earlier. They're having their kids when they're 65 and 70, you know, whatever. And just an interesting thing to think about, um, maybe it's a spoiler, but that when Avraham who's going to come in two more Torah portions, we're going to be Avraham, when he is 70, when he, sorry, when he is 99 years old, he's considered old to have children. So in that amount of time, that first thousand, that first, that first, you know, thousand years, that first millennia, we have incredible, incredible chesed flowing from Hashem. And the people, it's reflected in their incredible, incredible long lives. And, uh, and then in a very short amount of time, that's not going to be the case. So we'll get to that in a second. So we have the genealogy here. So in case you do Chomish, there's no Rashi's for the sick for Friday. And then, uh, and then the last story that we have here in chapter 6, um, it's like the last seven verses, I think, of the Parsha, eight verses of the Parsha, we have the story of the Tower of Babel. The Tower of Babel. It's like... In case you're wondering, has anything happened over like these five and a half uh, chapters? Like, yes, <laughs> we've had you know incredible. We've had creation. We've had dynamic stuff betrayal and like me- <laughs> betrayal and relationships and all kinds of stuff going. Like, 
since like a mamish it's a novel, like the first five chapters is already a novel. So that, yay, we did the cliff notes of the, of the parsha, we finished the whole parsha, I'm so excited, we finished, awesome, that's great. Um, now let's look at some details, okay? I want to look at a couple of things along the way. Okay, so first of all, work with me for a second. I know this is kind of big. Sorry to erase this. Can you also erase the, um, the name? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> don't need to be there. Yeah, I was literally just... Big done that. Okay. We don't need to have that. One. We don't need that. Okay, so here we are. So the first, thing, the first thing that we're going to have, let's work with me quickly, creation. What happened? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Two, three, four, five, six, seven. What happens each day? First day. Okay. And two, day two? Water. You can look inside. It's like, it's like, it's like in the first couple of... It's in the first couple of verses. Like, you don't have to guess this. Okay? Okay, what happens on the third day? What happens on the third day? Um, water. No. So, water's day two. What happens on, what did you say? Vegetation. 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 And then the luminaries. That's day four. Is the luminaries. Okay. That's code for sun, moon, stars, and galaxies. Day five. Small creatures. Fish and birds. Fish and birds. Yeah. Fish and birds. Day six, what do we have? And the big animals. And humans. And we have human. And then... Shabbos! Shabbos! Then we're going to have Shabbos. Okay, so there, <laughs> so there we have it. Okay. So first of all, I think it's important to at least... Have this, you know, as far as our, our general Jewish knowledge, I think it's very important to know what happened on each day. Um, the 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 the, the Zohar and the Medrash talks about the idea that each of these days reflect a millennia of Jewish history and biblical time. So that if we have the first creation being light, we're going to have Chesed over here, we're going to have Gavur over here, we're going to have Teferis over here, and it's going to reflect itself in history, which, as we mentioned briefly. That the, the longevity of the first bunch of the first you know, ten generations of people is going to be shown in incredibly, incredibly, incredibly long lives. So we're going to have. So here we are. We're in Jewish history. We're late Friday afternoon, right? Seventh millennia is when Mashiach comes. So here we are, five, seven, eight, four. So we're, you know, closer to Shabbos. It's like let's make sure the hot water is up and the child is plugged in. And we have it, the tissues are cut for the you know for the bathroom because like that's where we are. <laughs> Whatever that means on a, on a on an emotional level, I don't know. You know, like get let's get it together. Shabbos is coming, so this is where we are. Um, I'm, yeah. I'm, so you know, it's interesting that you say that because I have been uh, working in the last I'm going to say maybe ten years that Shabbos is not crazy. I do not go into Shabbos crazy. And I know Sorry. my kids are I know my kids are older and I, I don't have the chaos of a bunch of little kids and whatever. But I wanna go and I and I wanna give this challenge to all of us because there's no reason for you to go into Shabbos as chaos. There's there's no reason. If we're coming into a place of serenity and Shabbos and Manucha and like this little you know, this capsule of Mashiach time, we need to figure out how to work on our time management so that we aren't crazy people. There's no reason for us to go into Shabbos like crazy people. Whatever time we have to bench lift, whatever time we're gonna light candles, figure out how much time you actually really need to get ready and make yourself a, a, you know, 
a Shabbos playlist. Like, how do we get out of crazy mode? Like, you do not have to be like blow drying your hair, applying your mascara, <laughs> and like hoping your clothes are dry enough to put on before as you run into light the candles. Why? Why? Just start a little earlier. It's it's one of the things that we need to really work on, like as. It's holistic Jewish people. Comes in at four o'clock. It doesn't matter. You know why? You, you know how? The, you know the, why the proof is? Because when Shabbos comes in at seven eleven, which is like the latest time it comes in, we're still crazy people. We had three extra hours. No, mm-hmm. whatever time we decide, we are going to be ready by. We are going to be ready by, and that's it. The, it barring emergencies, which you know gives space for emergency, but our regular normal going into Shabbos. We should be able to do it calmly. We should be able to be ready in time so that we could have, you know, our soothing music that we want to listen to. If we want to say some Tehillah as we go into, like one last check, like lights are on and off and things or whatever. We do not have to be crazy people. Time management is a very, very important skill. We should have that mentality for Mashiach too. Like, we're ready. We don't have to be like crazy right now. Right. Yeah, right. Ready. We're ready. So, so then the question, and I think that's really what we are doing. I think like that place is saying, okay, we're getting closer and we're there. We're, we're not there yet. We, that's not our religion. We're waiting, you know, like Mashiach is coming. And so like, what do I need to do to make sure that I'm not running like a crazy person when Mashiach comes with my hair wet, my mascara half on and, and my clothes <laughs> are not ironed? Like, what do we have to do spiritually and emotionally to make sure that we're in that space? And that, that point is very well taken. Sleep with the skirt. Huh? Sleep with the skirt on. So then it's all scrunched. So no, so that when Mashiach comes, you can jump out of bed and go. No, we could already iron it. We should already have like our our, our, our <laughs> stuff. You know what I mean? We should like. Yeah. Like you know you're going to have four in the month. Like put your outfits out for well, the each one, right? I don't know. I'm not going to talk about, <laughs> not gonna talk about shop. I'm, really, I want to say like, because I think Sahab's point is very well taken. I think like the place of saying, you know, do we go from crisis to crisis? Or do we say, how do we plan to the best of our ability? Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? How do I set my six, myself up? For, for success. Yeah. For success. Shabbos, I know that Shabbos is coming every seven days. Shocking but true. It's coming every seven days. So why do I have to wait till Friday afternoon to say, oh, I don't have any snacks in the house. I gotta go find, okay, in Jerusalem is an issue. It's not like in America can go to Trader Joe's at whatever time. And everyone's like, I gotta find a store that's still open that I, cause I don't have any, why, why? Go on Thursday, go on Thursday. A slight, very slight segue, but I would say, there's, a, there's a book called Is It Shabbos Yet? I don't know if anybody's yeah. see that book, okay? And it's got this little girl who wakes up on Friday morning and she says, her name is Malki, is it Shabbos yet? <laughs> right? And, and, and no, we have to first do, Go shopping, and we have to first go to right. So there's a, a bootleg copy of the real version of it. Is it Shabbos yet? And it starts that Malki wakes up, wakes up on Wednesday morning and says, "Is it Shabbos yet?" And her mother's like, "No, we have to go shopping today." And on Thursday, uh, they're going to bake the challah and stick it in the freezer so they could, you know what I mean? Real life, we don't have to be doing everything at the last minute. Now, I'm off. I'm off my, my soapbox for now. I think everybody has to work. On, we have to work on our time management to figure out how we, we do these things well. Or what? ADHD, tackle, tackle ADHD. Tackle ADHD. Correct, correct. Yeah. It, 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 we could use it as an excuse, or we could say, this is my challenge, and now how do I work yeah. with it? That's all. Okay. Um, so. Challenge for challenge. What? 
Challenge for tomorrow. Taco Edition Challenge for tomorrow. For tomorrow and for the next thing and the next. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, but I'm saying like. Can we all be ready? Tomorrow's challenge. Candle lighting is at whatever time it is, five something. It's getting earlier and earlier. Um, can yeah. we be ready? Can we be ready? Yes. And, and there's enough people, like, we have to figure out the whole getting ready thing. Let's do it. We could do it. We could do it. And if anybody tells me, send me an emoji, sends me that they're ready, I will send you back an emoji. A nice emoji for Arab Shabbos. But I'm only, doing, I'm only doing it for anybody who's ready at least 20 minutes before candle lighting. Five, 5.40. 5.40. So any emoji that I get up. Yes, you're allowed to. Yeah, but it's already early. You're right. No, but are we allowed to? Yes, you're allowed to. Yes, you're allowed to. Like, can I do that in honor of? You could. Ben. You could totally. But but yes, once you can, you you yes, you can light candles early, even in Jerusalem. I am I am reminding you that we are already lighting candles forty minutes early, <laughs> not eighty minutes early. So, whatever. Okay. <laughs> okay, guys, we're, we we got to do some stuff. Okay, a couple of things I want to talk about over here. Okay, so time management. We got to do it. Right. This is the like I can't. I, you know. Okay. So we. Okay. So Hashem. So Bracious Barlow Kim. We're starting off with creation. Okay. I want to look at Pusik base. Okay. First of all, we're mentioning the first Rashi. We're not going because I think everybody learned it. But the first Rashi is Amr Rabbi Yitzchak. Rabbi Yitzchak says that the Torah should not have started with Bracious Barlow Kim. Where should it have started? Hachodesh Hazelachem Rosh Chodesh, which is in Parsha's bow. It's the second. Parsha in Shemos. That's where we got our first mitzvah, and that's where we should have started. And why does why does Torah start with gracious? And this because is the creation of the world is not the only establishment of like Torah. So Rashi says, why does it start? Because Kayach Ma'isav Higidlana Lasesam Nachlasayim. Hashem is giving. Hashem is telling of the power of His behavior, of His deeds, to give to, to so that we should be able. We should know that we have the inheritance of the earth. That when the nations of the world come to us, this is what Rashi says, when the nations of the world come to us and say, you are robbers because you have conquered the land of the never seven nations, we, we will tell them, Hashem created the world. Exactly. And, and, and Hashem created the world and he gives to whoever he wants to. And the Rebbe actually said that all we need to do is to go to the UN with a Rashi and tell them, and this is, why, this is why we're here. We're not here because of UN resolutions. We are not here because of any other reason except for the fact that Hashem said, "This is our land, and we're going to be here." So I want to. So I want to say something. I, I was listening. To, I was listening when I was preparing, and I. So one of the rabbis that I, that I was I was listening to a shir, and he was talking about. Who do we have to say this to? Who do we have to say Kareth Masiv Higidlano? You do the, His take was that you think do you think the UN is going to be impressed with Rashi? So the rabbi was yes felt that the, that the world, world was going to be impressed with Rashi. But he said, who has to be impressed with Rashi? He's talking to us. Yeah. He's talking to us. God's talking to us and saying, we have a right to be here. We have, this land is given to us by Hashem, and that is why we're here. Not because of the UN, and not because of resolutions, and not because of the Holocaust. We're here because Hashem gave us this land. And that's, when we believe it, when we really internalize that, that's the tipping point. If we think, eh, you know what, eh, that's, we can't hesitate. We have to say we are here because Hashem gave us the land. And that's why we're here and that's what our right to it is. Not because of anything else. That's it. Okay. Now, the second verse says, The land was chaos 
when we were growing up, we translated Chumash into Yiddish, so I had two languages that I didn't know, but I remember till today that Tayyar Levi Pustunvist, it was, it was like chaos and, and empty, and there was darkness, and the Spirit of God hovered over the water. And the measure says, what is that? What's the Ruach HaLokim? That's what the measure says. That at the beginning of creation, before anything is formed, there, there, was, there was a Spirit of Mashiach hovering over the chaos. Which means, if you could picture this for a second, how far is hovering over? Not far. Reach up and grab it. Reach up and internalize it. That in the, first of all, that in the blueprint of creation was Mashiach, was going to be a time where there was going to be no jealousy and darkness and envy and all those kind of things, no competition. How far away is it? It's hovering over the water. It's so close. And especially us here, we're so close, we have to just sort of reach up, grab that energy, and pull it into our lives and start to internalize that. Um... Uh, I want to say three things about creation in general and I that we're going to move on because we can't only spend time on creation. I know we have to spend a little bit of time on creation because of like creation, but like a couple of things. First of all, I want to say that one of the things that we're going to find, if you remember from Sipastora, how, how we count creation, vayihi erev, vayi boker, day whatever. There's night and then there's dark. There's Sorry, there's night and then there's day and then it and it was good. And that's the second thing that I want to say. The first thing I want to say is that that it was an evening and there was a morning and then it's a day. We always want to say, and this is really our bracha, is like it should just be easy, revealed, good. But there is darkness and from the darkness is how we grow and then we go into the light. So we always, that's how the world is set up. Vayer vayiboker. And then we have a new day, and then we have a new beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when we look at our lives and we're like, this is hard, this is challenging, this is dark for me, we need to understand that all we need to do is to work through that because the day is right there. And that darkness is not there for any reason other than to propel us forward and to propel us into a better place. And, it's gonna, and, it, and, and we're going to have a new day. That's how it's going to work. Practically speaking, from a halachic point of view, that's where we know that the Jewish days go from night to day. This is where it's coming from. But I think from an emotional point of view, do we take our darkness and bury into it? Or do we take our darkness and say, this is a place that's going to lead me to a greater light. And that's really what we need to be doing. The other thing is Ahava said, every time Hashem looks at something, He says, it was good. and it was good. And it was good. That means that... that Rabbi Sachs has, a, has an essay where he writes about stages of, stages of creation, right? which is really what we're being taught. How do we create? First, there's a place of darkness, and there's a place of light. But what he talks about, Rabbi Sachs talks about, is the idea of to see, Hashem, sorry, that Hashem said, and then it was, let there be, and there was, and then, then it was good. That means that when we are involved in the creative process, and all of us are creators and all are in the creative process, the first place is we need to be able to imagine it, right? We say, we talk about something that, could, wouldn't it be cool if we could blah, blah, blah? And then that hap- then we work to create it, and then we have to say, is it good? 
Is it benefiting humanity? Is it helping us be better people? Yalla, then we know that this was a good thing that we were involved in. And, you know, then how do we undo something if we decide that that wasn't really the best thing? That's a different conversation. But we have to at least, that the moral value of it was good is something that's part of our natural creative process. And we're going to see that, in a, we talked about the children, the grandchildren of Cain who created instruments, musical instruments and instruments of war. Um, what was the end of that? So Rashi actually says that all of those things were created for Avodah He says it was, it, was, it was not a good thing, but the place of being created and doesn't have potential to be good, we know it does. We know that there's such a big difference between singing together and singing together when there's an instrument playing. It adds so much to the conversation. The fact that some of the things that have been created, we need to like retweet back into holiness that's okay. We, could, we can still do that. We can still retweak it back into holiness because we have the ability, but we only have the ability to pull it back into holiness when we can look at it and say, is it good? Is it good? And, and one of the things that Rabbi Sachs talks about in his essay is there's a difference between things that are short-term, no good, or hard, but long-term beneficial versus things that are short-term, good, slash pleasurable, but long-term Harmful, and that's really we want to know how are things, how is our create our creative process? Is it, are we on the right path? That's one of the things that he talks about. Um, as something to said so one of the things that he talks about uh, as a way to keep a measurement of that. Okay, we're not going to go through all of it. The challenge about partial inspirations, and I'm just going to like get this out. We can literally spend ten years just on this parsha, and we have like another twenty five minutes to do a lot of things. Um, so, okay, okay, uh, chapter 1, verse 26, we're going to jump to creation of humankind. By Yomer Elohim Hashem says, Nasa Adam, Adam B'Tzalmenu, let us make man in our image, and that person will, that being will rule over the fish and the animals and everything. Um, and we talk about that Hashem created uh, uh, in his image, and we talked about this yesterday, that, they were, that the first, that Adam was created as back-to-back male-female, um, uh, I was going to say situation, but that's not the right word, being. Um, but Rabbi, Sol- Rabbi Soloveitchik asks, and many people ask, why do we say, nas- why does Hashem say, Nasa Adam, let us make man? Who is us? Who? Yeah, what do we have? We had this whole thing. And? It's his three names of himself. Oh. What? Elkin. Yeah. Abaya and Kel. Okay, so that's one. There's, in, any, in anything in Judaism, there's more than one answer. So that's one answer. Okay. So Hashem is talking to all parts of himself. <laughs> it's a respectable form of referring to Hashem, we're no, no, but no, but Ori is bringing up the point that Nasa Hashem basically consulting with himself, yeah. all the versions of himself, yeah. right? Okay, to, well, us, to the angel. Every time, like saying that every time we say El, like our or Elohim, because it's the plural, where we're referring to in a respectable manner to Hashem, because in every language but English, there is a respectable manner like Adam. To the, okay. To the, to the, not she, he. Okay. He, right. Okay. The, the, Okay, that's one. That Hashem is basically consulting with himself. As Cindy says, Hashem consulted with the angels. 
And the measure string is a very fascinating, very fascinating situation over there. So Hashem asked a group of angels, should we make man? And they're like, well, what are they going to do? <laughs> and God shows them the history. And they're like, bad idea. So God destroys the angels. Creates another group of angels and says, should we make men? And they're like, no. what are they going to do? No. And so they get destroyed. So then Hashem creates a third group of angels and says, should we make men? And they're like, didn't work out so well for the first two groups, so we're going to just say yes. <laughs> um, and and then it's also, it says an R image. It makes sense if it's a greeting to God. Well, I want to say this. When you talk about Torah, all of the answers are true. It's not like there's only one answer, right? There's not only one answer. Like, so yes, creating, creating, <laughs> creating a, a humankind in the image of God, yes, and then, spoiler to the Ten Commandments, you know, those two parallel each other. I am the Lord your God, and thou shalt not murder. If you look at the Ten Commandments across, they actually parallel each other, and we know that if you study history, most of the wars have been... Wars of religion, wars of religion, okay? My God said this is the way to do it and everybody else is an infidel and we're going to kill them all. That's the majority of wars that we've had uh, in our history. So the Ten Commandments is there. It's like, no, 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 no. Thou shalt not murder in the image of God and I am Lord your God. Those go together. Um, but Rav Soloveitchik says a very interesting thing. And he says, Nasa Adam B'Tzalmenu, that God is speaking to us. We are created as unfinished products. Yeah. And the question is, Nasa, can we be a mensch? Can we teach ourselves and teach our children? And can we, Nasa Adam is a charge to us, not just to everybody else around us, to whatever. But, and I think that one of the big challenges that we have, and you probably have heard this from me like a hundred times already, is when we have the choice of doing something easy or doing something right, what is the choice that we make? And every time we choose right, we are making ourselves in the image of God. And the, the charge of Nasa Adam B'Tzalmenu, that's a question we need to ask ourselves. Am I living up to my image? If I am creating the image of God, how am I doing? Can I do better? Not in a way to make us obsessive and crazy and, and anxious. I'm not saying that. But as a way of empowering ourselves and saying, wait a second, we are capable of so much. Like, we can do this. It, gives, it, should, it should give us like a shot in the arm and say, yes, we are able to do this. And so, uh, so that's where uh, Soloveitchik's point is like, Nasa de Mitzalmenu is a cry to us to, to sort of get it right. Okay, we're, we're, we don't have time to... Sorry, okay. There's something as a mother that I really have to... And we have to go into a little bit. Skipping the, we're skipping the, uh, okay, we have, we're, we're actually not going to deal with, with uh, Adam and Chava. I want to just say one thing about Adam and Chava. I actually want to say about Chava, that um, if you look at the etymology of her name in Hebrew, why does Adam call her Chava? Because she is the source of all living things. Aim kol chai. She's the source of all living things. And the etymology of her name, Eve? Anybody know? Evil. It's from evil. So we're not going to call her Eve. We're going to only call her Chava um, because that's what it is. So we're not going to Adam and Chava and their whole situation. It's like, there's too much to discuss. I just gave you a little, a little thought about that, right? Um, um, 
So we have their their whole thing. Oh, I want to say one thing. When Adam when Adam is when Adam is created. can't find, so if someone wants to find it, I don't want to spend any time trying to find it because I didn't mark it off in Chumash. Um, Hashem gives Adam and Chava a charge. He puts them in the Garden of Eden and what is what is their charge? Anybody know? To work. Yeah. Shamrai, to, guard, to work it and to guard it. And, um, and I feel that, I just want to put that out there. One second. No, it's, I, I, it's in here someplace. I'll, I'll look for the, for the Pasuk afterwards. Oh. oh, I just found it. Chapter 2, verse, uh, verse, verse 15. That Hashem took the Adam and he placed it in the Garden of Eden. We have a very specific mandate from God. And, um, and I think like it, it has many, many versions. But it really boils down to do boils down to two. La'avda means that we need to work with the world. We're not here to just say, there's injustice. Oh, well, if God wanted them to be healthy or rich, he would have made it like that. Our, our place of love that we need to work with the world. We don't just get to waste every single resource that's in the world because that is not what Hashem put us in the garden for. Now, we're not in the garden of Eden. Shocking, but true. Um, but I think that that mandate that was given to humanity is still is still alive and kicking, um, and so we have to work work it and guard it. Work it and guard it. It means not just talking about from an agricultural point of view, but the place of of when we see injustice, when we see you know the the you know the the, the philosophers Morals. would say like. Yeah, we say, well, if Hashem wanted this person to be healthy, then they would not be sick. Like, why should I interfere? Where do we have the permission to make give somebody money or food? If Hashem wanted them to have it, they could have it. Well, no, that's part of the law of the How do we make the world? Huh? Hishtablis? Yeah. Right? It's like putting in your... is effort, but, but Hishtablis is different. I think that the place... Hishtablis is when you make a personal effort to create a vessel for Hashem's bracha, which, yes, is for sure a true statement, but I feel like the mandate, and again, this is my take based on what I've learned. I can't give you an exact source for who says this, but I feel like the place of our mandate being la'avdeh l'shamr means that we don't just say, oh, well, it's not my problem. And at the other, on the other hand, um, in the order of what's going on, like, it's not like, it's not like, um, I feel like, I feel like we, I feel like we do need to, I feel like we do need to not just use all the resources and not think about them. And sometimes people will make choices that you don't agree with in how they're choosing to use their resources. And that's, that's their advice. It's not my job to come and like, you know, tell them they should be doing it differently. But I feel like we can't be living without thinking. La'avdeh means we need to be consciously living and consciously interacting with the world and with people around us to leave the world better than we found it in whatever way we can do it. You know, maybe I'm not capable of doing major things, I'm capable of doing smaller things, but I, I can't just say, whatever, it's going to all be fine. It will be fine, but we have to do our part in it. 
Right, so that's only looking at it from a Torah, like uh-huh. positive is, is working and negative is guarding, Good. which we have that for Shabbos. Uh, we, have a, we, also have that, we also have that when we talk about Shabbos, the mitzvah Shabbos, we have Zohar and Shamar is positive and negative mitzvahs. And so we, we also have that, and I thank you for bringing that up, but I'm taking a slightly different tap to it, and that's my, my soapbox for today. Okay, uh, skipping Adam and Chava. Um, and we spoke about last time about Ayeka and that question that we asked ourselves. Okay, I want to, uh, let's go to chapter four, okay, where we have the birth of Cain and Abel, okay? Um, and so, so, so Cain has this great idea. He brings a sacrifice. Hevel, Abel, also brings from his, from his flock, and Hashem turns to Hevel's offering and accepts it, and he doesn't turn to Cain, and, um, and he's very upset, right? He's very upset. And Hashem says to Cain, why are you so upset, right? Like, you could fix this. You could do tshuva. You could bring another sacrifice, whatever. And then what happens is, is and that's where we, that sort of closes that a little bit, and then it says, in verse 8, it says, Vayomer Kain al Kain says to his brother, but we don't, have it, we don't know what it said. We don't know what he says. There's no words there. He says, he spoke to him. And then when they were in the field, Vayakam Kain al-Hevel, and he kills him. So Cain rises up, and he kills him. We don't know what the conversation was. Rashi says he was like sort of picking a fight with him. He's finding a pretext Exactly, to find a pretext to kill him. Uh, the the Chumash doesn't tell us what it yeah, was yeah, that went exactly. on there. And, and in a, you know, if we were gonna, if we were going to say about, like, okay, so what is this, where does this, le- like, a lesson for us, I feel like the power of words and are we using them. Like, it's not enough to, that empty space of kind says to Hevel with no words, I'm not saying we should put words into their mouth, but I feel like something that we could learn is this place of, he was very angry at his brother. He was very, very upset at the whole situation. Now what are the words, what are the words that we use when we are upset? That's what I'm saying. This is my, this is my Torah. This is my Torah, I'm making this up, right? Where do we take a lesson and say, there, there was something going on there. We don't have the words, Torah doesn't give us those words, but the Torah is telling us that words were important. If you're coming with a closed heart into the argument, you're not ever gonna like the, that's what's gonna be the end of it because that you already met, might make made up your mind. Exactly, but I think like, and I'm really saying this myself. I feel like that that place of communication. Yeah. Like, like, but you you gotta yeah, come yeah. with it. You have to come with an open heart. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. So Hashem says it's so a verse nine. Hashem says to Kain, "Where's your brother? Where's Heaven your brother?" And he says, he answers God. What does he say to God? In verse 9. I don't know. I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? And as a mother, I will say, yes, you are your brother's keeper. You absolutely are your brother's keeper. Um, uh, and Hashem is not impressed with his answer. And I, and I, and I want to say... Do you think that he could like... Manipulate God into thinking. Right, like he's like, I don't know, I don't know. Yeah, like, right? 
pulling the wool over God, right? You got to give him like a little bit of whatever. He was creation was still newish. It was at, they were out of the garden, maybe even, but so, like. I know, they, I know, I know. I know, talk to God. I know, I know, I know. I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm just questioning, like, can we give him the benefit of the doubt? Say, like, maybe he doesn't know everything. He's I don't two know. Old. Well, he's not really. It, it, he's not two seconds old. It's after the Shabbos. They're after Gan Eden. They're, they've, been, they've been kicked out of the garden already. So he's, like, three days old. I, again, I don't know. I don't know. How long well, does it like, take? There's, like, they're, like, established shepherds and farmers at this point. Correct, but if we don't know. But if there's a world, the world was created fully grown. What does it take to be a shepherd or a farmer? Just walk up to your. I'm here. I'm a farmer. You know, like it's my choice. You know, like a baby. Um, so I don't know. I don't know. So I don't know the timeline, Sydney. I was gonna ask, but I feel like there's a lot of discussion. Like whenever um, Hashem asks Abraham, like, "Where are you?" People say, "Like, why would Hashem ask that?" Hashem would know Abraham is. So, like, is there also like? Explanations for like why Hashem asks Cain, "Where's your brother?" Like obviously Hashem knows. Right. So, so the the easiest answer is the easiest answer. Like we say, when Hashem speaks to Avram and he says, or you know, very often Rashi says it's a sort of engaging conversation. Rashi says it also here. It wasn't that God didn't know where your brother was? He was opening the path for him to say, "Oh my gosh, it was such an accident. I I don't know what to do with myself." Yeah. Like he was opening the door and saying, "Like obviously, just like, walk like, through, yeah. just walk through and say." I made a mistake. Okay. And instead he doesn't. Instead he doesn't say, yeah. how do I fix this tragic thing that I did? You know, kill, literally killing out the world, a quarter of the world's population. But, um, but how do, he doesn't. Hashem's like, where's your brother? And he's like, I don't know. I don't know. No, like, and he, he knows, like, he knows. That's, that's the most, but like, he knows that, like, Hashem knows. Because that's why they were, like, didn't they know why were, they weren't, they were kicked out of the Ganeden? Right. The same thing, like, the same, like, right. the so same it's, so it's inter- Right, so it's interesting. I, I, one of the things that, for, that Kayan actually, um, he's going to give us is the power of Tshuva. Even, even when he is pulled into it kicking and screaming. Right. He doesn't, he doesn't have like, where's your brother? He didn't say, oh my gosh, it was such an accident. I feel terrible. I don't know what to do about it. He doesn't say that. And still, and still, he's the one who's going to give us the power of Chuba. But isn't that the the true start of Chuba is when you can... Denial. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I mean, is the knowing that you knew... It's one thing to just say, I forgive you, but if you don't truly know so by God asking him, you know, what happened, it's almost like God saying, do you really know why you would need Chuba? Right, but, so, but, but, he, but he doesn't step into that space, right? Kai right. doesn't st- step into that space. Right. He's like, I don't know, maybe he went to Starbucks. I don't know what he is. Like, right? So, <laughs> what? Right, so, but, 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 so, but, but I think, but I think, and, 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 and yes, it's based on, I can't point to an exact source, but based on, meaning even, even in a situation where he's denying that he did anything wrong, he still has the power of tshuva. Yeah, the power right. of tshuva is still getting to him. Like, meaning, if you learn tshuva from somebody who, oh my gosh, I, was t- I did such a bad mistake, and how do I fix it? So yes, that's very important to be able to get the message of tshuva, but, but maybe for us, it's more important to get the message of tshuva from somebody who's like, I didn't do anything wrong. I, I, I have no idea what you're talking about. I have no idea what you're talking about. Because you know? for it to be sincere, you have to go through the process of being like, so let me like let me reflect on what I like. Let me accept what I actually did. Rather but that, than right, I, but he's not doing. I mean, he's not. Uh, yeah. But he's not doing that. I want to say, and he's still given the power of tshuva. That's that's 
to me, that's the amazing part. Mm-hmm. Somebody who's, Hashem's like, where's your brother? He's like, oh my gosh, it was such an accident. And then he says, and then Hashem's like, okay, here's how we do tshuva. So then what happens when we are not in that space? Right. What about when we come to tshuva and we're like, I didn't do anything exactly. wrong. I have exactly. no idea what you're talking about. But, we, but Kain is leading the way for us to do tshuva when we have to be convinced to say, really? Exactly. Did really nothing right. happen? Like, were you, were you totally, right. you know, guilt-free in this situation? Like, you had no, you had no culpability over here? Like, even in that, in that situation, we're being offered the place of tshuva, which is beyond, beyond, beyond powerful. But I do want to say, especially as we're standing where we are today, um, the question of am I my brother's keeper? The answer is absolutely 100%. We are our brother's keeper, and the way we, the way we keep in our brother is in many, many ways. And first and foremost, by saying, by understanding that we are brothers and that we are a family, and that we have a responsibility to each other to make sure that, however, we can support them, whether through our learning, through our learning, through our mitzvahs, whatever it is, we are our brother's keeper. Um, so that's that's something I also wanted to mention over here. Um, and as a mother, by the way. Such a bad answer. <laughs> am, I my, am I responsible to my brother? Yeah, you're no, responsible to your brother. That's not what kids at the young age say. That they say this when they're when they're like becoming egoistic and when they're like I don't know what whatever like uh, uh, after age of like three and four when they're young they're just gonna do yeah did that with sincerity like they don't have the ego <laughs> they don't have yet or aura. I understand, but we are not little kids. No, little kids. We are not little kids, and we still are struggling with our ego to say. It's not my responsibility. I had nothing to do with that. I didn't. Well, my, I, I mean, I used to with your kids, with my grandkids at four and three and seven, I'll ask and I'll be like, where's, I don't know. That was, you know, I, you start at a right. very young age. You do dogs too. Yeah. They like know they did something wrong and you're like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, but it's like the I don't know. You're conveying a message of like I don't want to talk about yeah. avoiding this conversation. Mm. Like it's not my goal. Right. That's what it's that's what the words mean. Right. Okay. So I want to I want to finish with two things. The la, the our parsha ends off our parsha ends off with the birth of Noah. Okay. Um, and he's called Noah, which is a comfort. He will be a comfort to us from our from our behavior and from our trail uh, our travails. Um, he's the first person who's actually able to cultivate the earth. It was cursed in the times of Adam, and he's the first one who's able to actually get something to grow other than thorns, and, and uh, they have different names for thorns over here. Um, and, and, and even in the lifetime of Noah, who is righteous, the world is going to go into such extreme corruption that Hashem is going to say, I am done with this project. Mm. And we're going to end up, the next week, we're going to end up with the flood. But here we're going to have the birth of Noah um, and his three children that are born. And I do want to say one more thing um, because it's the last, it's like the last thing in the Parsha and we almost ne- never get to it. And we have the Tower of Bubble going on over here um, where, where, uh, where people were, they were collectively rebelling against God. And what's very, very interesting just for us, I think, is this place of what God can tolerate. And when we have unity, a lot gets forgiven. 
Meaning, here they were, a generation of people who were blatantly going against God, but because they were together and because they were united, God doesn't kill them all. He spreads them out and says, okay, their unity is leading them to bad things, so he doesn't flood them out. He doesn't kill them all out. He's like, and that's because of the unity. And so I, I want to give us a bracha. Um, Bracious is a turbulent parsha. It covers a lot of history. It covers over a thousand years of, of uh, biblical history. And the parsha ends with, as I see it, a cry for unity. And um, this week is Shabbos Mavarchim. We're blessing the new month of Cheshvan, sometimes called Mar Cheshvan this, this, uh, this month because it has the, the bitter month of Cheshvan. It has no, it has no holidays in the, in the month at all. Um, there's there's lots of things yeah. that happen in there, um, but there's no there's no uh, there's no actual holidays, um, and really in, in a in a quiet year, Cheshvan would be the time that we would sort of sit with all the roller coaster emotions of Tishrei. Remember Tishrei, Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur, you know Sukkot. So in a normal year, we would be spending this month taking all the things that we've gained um, and and putting them into and, and sort of putting them into our lives in Cheshvan. That's really what that space on on calendar looks like. There's nothing else distracting us. And I think this year where we're juggling, like <laughs> that seems mm-hmm. Russia sort of seems even further away than normal. Um, uh, I want to give us a bracha that we. Remember that we're still in Tishrei. We're still in a month that is supposed to be a joyous month. Hashem should bless us that we are able to transfer from Tishrei to Cheshvan in a place of joy and in a place of peace and a peace, a place, a place of unity. And the unity that we've seen over the last week should we should learn from that unity and be able to transfer it into plain Jane unity when we're like. You know, mm-hmm. when, exactly. It should. It should. It should. We should remember how important that unity is, and that we should remember that we are in fact our brother's keeper. That we should remember that we are in fact a family. Hashem should bring healing and Yeshua and Geula and all the good things. And with our little bits of whatever it is that we're able to do, our Torah, our Tehillim, that we should tip the tip, help tip the balance. For a speedy end to this to this conflict, and everybody should come home. Shalem b'gufa nefesh, completed in body and spirit. Amen. Amen. Amen.